Thin Art became the first trophy winners in the west of Scotland last week as they wrapped up the Division 4 title. Their boss Brian Blair joins us on the show and tells us where he wants to take the club and the work they're doing to ensure it happens. We hear how he's having to change mentalities at the club and why he apologises to referees before games. It was also the day they travelled all the way to Campbellton only for the ref to call off, but why it was still a good result for the boys. And what next for the likes of Finnart and the other clubs in Division 4? The West of Scotland League's fixture secretary Kenny Young is back to give us as many answers as he can. Plus we hear about the prospect of more teams joining the setup in the summer, and there's a great debate between Kenny, Paul and Brian over that. There's also Mark Mackay's Best of the West, and it's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Well, I don't think there's anywhere else to start this week, Paul. Uh, over the last two or three weeks, we've had you talking about leaving your mains. You've told us how much you've been missing the game, missing management. This week, news appears. The new manager of Kaluk Rovers. Uh, congratulations, first of all. Uh, tell us a bit more about it. There's nothing really to tell, to be honest, Gareth. Um, uh, myself and Craig went and met with uh, the board last Wednesday night at Kaluk Rovers. Uh, and, you know, sat down, spoke with them, really liked what they had to say. Uh, they obviously liked what we had to say. And on Friday morning, I think it was, we got the phone call to say we'd be the new management team at uh, Kaluk Rovers. For me personally, absolutely delighted because it's my hometown club. It's yep. you know it's where I've been brought up, and it's a real honour, it's a privilege. They're in their hundred and thirty fifth year, so you know it is a real honour to to get the job. Uh, for the last I don't know month, everybody's saying to me, "Oh, you've got to collect, you've got the collect job." I can honestly, hand on heart, say I hadn't spoke to them. I'd spoke to them once prior to, to was it once or twice prior to the, the meeting them last uh, Wednesday night. Uh, and, you know, I've had people telling me it's the worst kept secret and things like that. I genuinely hand on heart. That's when I met them last Wednesday night and we get told uh, on Friday morning uh, and we went into training and got introduced to the players on Monday night there. So really looking forward to it. Uh, Anybody that knows Kirluk, it's a great new stadium up there. Uh, AstroTurf, so the games are on every week. Uh, they train at the, the location they play. And no, really rarely to go and uh, really, really shuffle to get the job, to be honest. I know you've only had, well, by the time this goes out, you'll have had two training sessions. You've only had one at the minute. We're, we're recording this on uh, on Wednesday evening. Um what have you made of the squad so far in terms of the quality and, and the, the calibre of what you've got there and, and to what you've got to work with? Well, to be honest, on, on a Monday night, I never actually got a great... I got introduced to the, to the boys uh, kind of before training. They had to go and do some stuff with the committee. Uh, I went and met with the under-20s because they train as well. Uh, 
I was having conversations with, with, with more people at the club. I never really got a chance to to have a look at them on Monday night, but I know the team. I I go and watch them when you know when I've been off the last few weeks. Uh, if you know when I was at New Mains, if the games are off, I would go and watch them. So I know the team. I know the players there. Listen, they're a, they seem a good bunch of boys. Uh, probably found themselves this year in a similar situation to New Mains in terms of lots of injuries. You know, their captain's been out, long-term injured. Uh, I think when I went to watch them against St. Caddick's the other week, they had seven players out. So, plus getting put into a league, you know, where the confidence have been generally tough this year. They've probably struggled a bit, but I genuinely think there's enough in the tank there that we don't really need to go and sign six or seven players for next season. I think there's a, there's enough there, uh, and they seem a real decent bunch of guys. Uh, have you been given a remit as to what you you know what what are they looking for from you or, or I mean how has that conversation gone? What how did they sort of sell the club to you if you like? Not so much a remit of, of, of where we want to go, but we know what league we're going to be in next year. The reality is we're going to be in uh, we will be in the in, in Division Three, and they want to see a, a just like I do a, a Luke Rovers team that are going to be up the top, going to be. You know, there or thereabouts. Uh, you know, we've got a great big pitch up there. You know, they want, they want to see good football. They want to try and, you know, get people through the gates and, and watching Clute Rovers again and stuff like that. So, uh, aye, that, 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 that's the remit. Obviously, we're taking over from uh, Mark Weir. Mark done a great job. And I've not really had a chance to credit Mark with, with the work he'd done up there. Again, found himself in a situation like we did at New Mains. Uh, a guy that's been at that club for 21 years or 20 or 21 years, I think he was there. I mean, think about that, Gareth. There's no many people in world football that stay at a club that long. Uh, so credit to Mark uh, and, you know, big boots to fill. Just last of all, I mean, uh, the way it's panned out, only two, two league games left this season. You've got a little bit of a gap between your first one, your away to, to Royal Albert. But as football seems to do, throws up these little uh, mini kind of stories. Uh, last game of the season, back at Victoria Park, back against New Mains United. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it is, isn't it? Uh, it's crazy that actually the way it works again because of the the games are on Astro Grass up at, up at the stadium. We were meant to play Royal Albert last Saturday, of which we wouldn't have took the team last Saturday, which only left us with new mains. But that's not until, I think, the 26th of March. So we've got this huge period in between, four or five weeks in, you know, before we play that game. So for us, Gareth, is just about now taking on friendlies, eh, seeing what we've got, seeing what we've got to work with. The whole eh, Royal Albert eh, new mains result for us isn't important. Right now, the important part is seeing what we've got to work with, uh, seeing how we're going to play, and uh, building for next season. Well, it's good to have you you back in the game, and we'll uh, we'll watch with interest how how things go there, and we'll uh, we'll get a, a weekly update to see how how things are going at the John Cumming Stadium. Uh, a quick word for our sponsors, media agency Forty Four Creative. 
Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers, and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organization, or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal, and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com. We'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show, and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Hi, it's Murdo McKinnon, Port Manager here, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Finot Manager Brian Blair is on the show this week. Thanks for being with us, Brian. No, it's a privilege to be on these. Before we chat some more, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One all the way down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Over to you with the clues this week, Paul. You will get it this week. It's really easy. It is, honestly, simple, right? The Gibbs Hill Park ground was previously the home of Polkemet Junior FC, also known as Beach Bank Park. They were formed in 1992. They played in the East Region of the Scottish Junior Football Association and they are situated in North Lanarkshire. Are they in Division 4 as well? No. Answers will be revealed at the end of the show, Gareth. You've been <laughs> here long enough now. My name's Chris Strain and I'm the Cowan and Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Finot boss Brian Blair is with us. Well, Brian, uh, congratulations, first of all, on being crowned uh, Division 4. In fact, before we start this, Brian, you're in, you're in, the, uh, you're in the fire station here. You're hopeful of getting this... Uh, this episode recorded without an emergency. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, quiet night helps me. We'll soon find out, eh, Paul? Absolutely. Uh, Brian did tell me where he was situated, and, I've, and nothing against Easter House, but something tells me every now and again a fire goes off in Easter House. I might be <laughs> wrong. Do not want to offend anybody from Easter House, but I'm not holding my breath getting through the end of this show. Well, we better crack on, don't we? You know, yeah. uh, as I said, Brian, congratulations uh, on being crowned Division 4 champions on the weekend. Uh, a 3-1 win over second-placed Kosaith sealed the title. Uh, just how bad was the hangover on Sunday morning? I was working Sunday morning with a hangover. <laughs> I was rough. I was rough. But it was worth it. Did Kosaith buy you some bottles of Prosecco ready for the celebration? Yeah, Is that great. right? Yeah, because I'm, I'm superstitious that way. I didn't take any drink with me at all. Uh, and as soon as the game finished, they came out. I mean, gave, I'm going to come into the dressing room and give the boys two bottles. So it was really good of them. Really good of them. Uh, because that's the only drinks I had in the dressing room, to be honest, until we got back to... We turned them back to our community centre in Bristol, which the boys didn't know about. I had it planned with a committee regarding if we won it. It's, every, everyone goes back there. Uh, so that's what happened and... We all enjoyed a free night. So was that a night in the community centre? Did it last till the early hours of the morning? Uh, I think my old man, he was having obviously a few drinks behind the bar. He was going to the bar, but 
and go, I think he just parted over there back at 12. I was half of that got the next day. Yeah, I think the rest of the boys went back to my brother's house. And I think they carried on to the next moment, to be honest. Obviously, you've come into this newly formed division. Uh, for our listeners, Brian, can you just tell us a wee bit about Finnart, where you're based? Uh, uh, you'd obviously mentioned off here is how your dad had started the club. I think for our listeners, that would be you know, great to, to hear a wee bit more about the club and how it was formed. Hey, I Finnart was started in 1978. And it was my dad and five friends started the club. Uh, just basically, it was a Sunday league team back then. And over the years, he's built it. He's played, he's played, and he's had different managers managing him. Then the older he went on, he's ended up running a club. Uh, he's ran the amateur side of the club for forty years, basically. Uh, and I've taken over management team two years ago. I was still player manager, basically, but well, the old legs were. The head was saying I could still play, but the heads, the legs, wouldn't they? Uh, and that's when I decided I'll give give it my all and see how far I can take the boys. Because a lot of the boys that are playing just now, I've coached them through youth teams. So I know a lot of them and they know the way I like to work and stuff. So that was the main reason my dad said, right, it's your turn to take it all. Or you've worked with the boys and go and get it a go. And that's where I went. Then I think during lockdown, the opportunity I well, I noticed during lockdown, well, just before lockdown, we were drum chapels at Caddox and other teams joined the West of Scotland set I wish back then we we knew we could have. Uh, we would have went for it then. But we didn't. Then I got a couple of people emailed, phone calls and said there might be an opportunity for new teams trying to get, gain into a new Division 4. And that's when I've put an application in uh, to join. And obviously it was successful. Because uh, I knew the setup. We have got for the minute kickers all the way right through is is what the league's looking for. So that was my main reason to try and push for it. So before I before I come on to uh, life in this newly formed division of the Scottish Pyramid System, the actual club itself touched on many kickers there. So do you have youth teams all the way through? Is it is it a full uh, quality mark club or or was it just the amateur team? No, we are a quality mark club. We have got for many kickers all the way right through. The only at the moment, the only one we've not got is a twenties. Uh, but we're looking to get one in soon. But to be honest, I want the, the correct coaches available for the twenties uh, before we go ahead and try and get our twenties up and going. And that's uh, all. Got, that's all the difficult thing, isn't it? Get getting the coaches in place. So you put this application in to join the Scottish Pyramid System particularly the West of Scotland League. Yes. If I remember rightly, is it eight teams in there, isn't it, at the moment? So was there criteria you guys had to meet to, to get into that? And how have you how have you found life in there? Obviously you've won it, but was the teams of a what was the standard of the teams compared to where you've come from as life as an amateur team? I've really enjoyed it. I think the boys have really enjoyed it. It's been different. When we first applied, we were going to try and ground share. Uh, we could have went to Shilson, obviously Glasgow United now at the time. But they said they said yes at first, but then they said they're not allowing any new teams to ground share with teams on grass parks. Okay. So that's where we went to look for Astro. 
and that's uh, after Springburn Park became available is and the reason we're up there is because it's got a supporters barrier. So we went up there, spoke to them, they agreed to give us a let. We went up and put the net in that round of Hill Park. Uh, we've got sponsors to cover one side of the park and the supporters barriers helps for people who want to pay in and stuff. So that was part of the tick list to get in. Uh, and we done that. So when they agreed to, for us to play up there, it was great. So would you see that now, Springman Park, as home, home of Finart? Is that where you plan to to continue ne- your journey next season? Next year, yeah, hopefully, because uh, hopefully Patrick Fisher Trust will get the papers signed or they take over because they're involved with Peter Sill at the moment and Springburn Park. So they're in the process of taking off Springburn Park too. So I had a meeting with them last week and the meeting went well regarding us being able to play out there next year and hopefully improve the facility slightly so it meets all the criteria to get in uh, up the level, to be honest. And I'm sure with the positive meetings, but... From a listener's point of view, if that part wasn't available, is there a criteria then set to get into the, the, the next level or would you be, as Crown Champions, straight in anyway? No, I think we have to meet the criteria to get in, to be honest, even if we are champions. Uh, so that's why we're working at Springburn Park at the moment, because obviously we're in the process, speaking to Glasgow Life and the Council, try to take our a part down at Glasgow Green to develop into our own social club uh, and our own hub, basically, our own community hub down there uh, because that's where we're fair. We're fair Glasgow Green Bristol Club. But Springburn Park's only five minutes up the road, so it's not massive difference. Uh, but it'd be great if uh, we get up the leagues, to be honest, for the boys and for the club to develop. Just uh, can you sum up? You say you, you won the title there on the weekend. Sum up that achievement for us, Brian. And, and you know, what was it at the start of the season? Was that your target? Did you exceed expectation? You've told us about the infrastructure you've got there. So, I mean, you, are you aiming high? Are you aiming high? Were you aiming high? And is this what you set out to do? No, we set out to be champions. To be honest, uh, I said for day one. I spoke early on this season, or even early on, speaking to people. My goal was to win the league. I thought we were good enough. I think we've got some good players there. Uh, and it's about the boys' mentality. I thought if they had the hunger and desire week in, week out, I thought we would we could be champions, to be honest. But it, it's, not been, it's not been easy. There's a lot of good teams. Uh, the standard's been pretty good. Uh, you can see teams like Lake South, the Tains at Caddox to the last... Is it last minute, maybe? The last couple of minutes. Ham the Rose done well winning the Cups. As myself, to be honest, we played Glen Cairn in two cup games uh, where I, I thought was, the second game especially on the Friday night game, I thought we were really, really good. I thought a 3-1 game flattered Glen Cairn, to be honest. Uh, and we played, which is great for the boys, we played Janefield Swifts in the South of Scotland Cup. Uh, and for the first 50-60 minutes, it was nothing each. And it could have went, I think we missed 3-1 and 1s. It could have been 2 3 and up. They're their goalie was outstanding that day, to be honest. But as soon as that first goal went in, uh, the boys' heads went down. I think the work they put in for the 50, 60 minutes, they kind of lost that that work rate. That just a wee, it's like a bubble bursting. And I think they have just trouble that day against them. But they're a good side, too. So it was just good to see the boys can do it. But it's just about doing doing it for 90 minutes against their better and bigger sides, established sides, I was just say. 
you mentioned uh, you mentioned to us that you know you the last couple of years you've been the you've been the manager. Um, you mentioned that you're obviously up at Springburn Park. We've talked all about when you were at New Mains about how you're juggling the management side of things plus you know setting up setting up the ground and getting things ready. What's that been like with you? The fact that you're not at, at your home home in that sense. I mean, and you're having to. I guess you're having to transform that park into your park every Saturday morning before you've even picked your, your first eleven. Yeah, uh, I'm up there at probably ten o'clock, half ten every Saturday morning. We got a home game to go up to fix the netting because sometimes obviously the netting could be hanging off. Fix the netting, get our sponsors out of our banners round the park. At the start of the season, it was to get the dugouts because we had the portable dugouts at first. Uh, but we're putting them up before games and then obviously uh, waiting for the boys to come and get, get the strips. I've got a few helpers to come up and help uh, to do these things, but you need more, to be honest. That's what that's my main aim this season. If we get promoted and allowed to go up the leagues, my main aim is to get more people to help out in match days uh, to make it more professional, to be honest. Instead of me going up and doing it myself and try to run a try to run the management side of it too, it's not easy. How um I mean in terms of that, that we've talked about the ground and that, but you know, the talking as well about, you know, trying to get that the, the, the lease at Glasgow Green, you know, for I mean is that is that you know much for the community generate a community for you to get a like a hub almost to to generate everything and to go from and so you then you're not going up on a on yeah. a Saturday morning having to, to set things up. Yes, definitely. I know for a, there's a few people who probably listen as it's involved. It's played with that. It's involved in a lot of the higher leagues. And you know, as a club, it's well run. It's well established in the East End of Glasgow. It's probably one of the biggest academies out there. And if we go to the community hub, I can just only see it's going one way, to be honest. Uh, and it's not just about the academy. We want to start up the girls' academy. Obviously, it's probably really glad to go, but to start off an art, even Girls Academy alongside our other academy would be great. But at the moment, we've not got facility to do that because even with Glasgow Green, it's not big enough to be what we want to do, to be honest. And tell me, talk about these younger teams, and I know this is only your first year. Do you have boys coming through maybe, you know, 18, 19 years of age? I know you don't have a twenties, but you've got kind of the younger team. Is there any boys come right through and into your first team already? Is that a, a progression that's already underway, or is that kind of work uh, still work in practice? I've got a couple of boys I've got my eye on, to be honest. Uh, at the moment, I would in friendlies I'll be bringing a couple up here and there. That's when I'll use them. Uh, I'm not going to bring them in the league games or that, but I would bring them in to involve and I'm going to play friendlies because the season finishes. What well, we've got one game the 12th of March, and that's what season finishes. So I'm going to try and maintain friendlies every week, every second week, uh, until I don't know the way through it. To be honest, just train once a week. Probably my idea is to train once a week in a, a game every second week or a game every week if I can to keep the boys involved. And that's when I'll talk about and bringing some young boys through. And there must be a real excitement amongst the players now. Crown champions going up into the actual pyramid system and uh, competing against teams or playing up at a higher level. I'm sure uh, trying to retain players won't be a problem for you next season. Uh, I've spoke to them all uh, and I've got a lot of them already signed up, to be honest, uh, going into next year. 
Uh, we had to be honest. The amount of phone calls I had about other boys, I was it was it was it was good good for us. Obviously, establish the boys. And the boys are up there and getting knowledge, and they know they're, they're playing at that level and they can play at that level. So it was just the phone calls were asking about five or six mid players. What's he doing next year? I don't want to lose anyone. To be honest, it's, the way we are trying to do, we can't develop. And we won't develop as a club, as a team, if we start losing boys. So that's my main aim, is to keep the boys. But they're all, you know yourself, we get got a good dressing room, which I've got there. If you keep them there, it's half the battle. And the majority of local boys team, mostly guys from Glasgow? Yes, uh, I think, I'm trying to think. I think they're all for Glasgow, to be honest. All for Glasgow. Now, a lot of them have coached for years. So that's a good thing. I've had them since I've been 15, 16 years old. Has, um, has there been any kind of, I don't know, changing of the mentality that, that you've had to kind of oversee, if you like, coming into this level of football? I guess, I mean, again, something Paul and I have talked about and many guests who have come on have talked about commitment and things like that. Have, have you had a, I don't know whether you've sat the boys down and explained to them that, you know, by moving into, if they want to play at this, you know, higher level, go into the pyramid, that, it's not. It's not an amateur game anymore. That's definitely. That's a, that's a good question because I keep I kept at them all, all year about the mentality has to change. It's no about the amateur game. It's the hunger, the desire, their attitude. It's mostly their attitude. See where at, the boys' attitude is right. We done well, but see when it through a wee spell where they couldn't make training for. You know, you've heard all the excuses over the years. That started a wee bit, and that's when the performances and it started dipping. As soon as I sat down and spoke to them, to, it's, it's up to them. I've got an opportunity here to... As, they've, they've made history, obviously, with, with Fanart as a club. Is at this level to win a league. So, if they want to keep making history, then it's about them uh, developing. And that's all down to their own attitude and hunger and desire. If they get that right, I would I wouldn't, I would keep the boys for as long as they want to stay with us, to be honest. Did you, did you lose... Any going into this level, if you like, guys who didn't want to didn't want to change mentality, or guys who who couldn't commit like to the to the level that maybe you wanted them to commit to moving in. Yeah, because uh, we've still got an amateur team, so ah, right. I brought you both good players, really good players, ability wise, sent to none, but they just didn't want to get that extra ten, fifteen percent, and and they're back down playing with an amateur team now. Just because they're good players, ability, but just because you would have given that wee bit extra, then that's the reason I'm back down playing with an Amsterdam team. If that attitude changes, I would take them back in a minute, to be honest. As well as changing the mentality of the players, have you had to change the mentality of the club? I mean, have you had to, you know, change the mentality, change the structure, and by that, you know, have you had to, I don't know, add another committee or, or, or develop the committee at the, at the top end to, to deal with match days, to deal with things like going up to Springburn Park and all kind of, of that as well. You're almost like a maturing of the club, if you like. Aye, what we brought in this year was, we've got a big committee, involves quite a few, but I'm on that. But then there's a committee that just deals with us. So we've brought in our committee and it's organising stuff that's happening behind scenes just with the senior team. So I've got that. And I've got a kit man in this year, which has been great help. That was, I've never had a kit man, it's been me after the games, cleaning up, and, but see, just putting your strips in, you walk out, strips come in, they're up, after the, even when they're out doing the warm-ups, the warm-up t-shirts off, 
our strips are sitting up. Just we we try and make it as professional as possible for the boys, uh, and that's helped big time with having a kit man there, massively. Even after the game, just to clean it up, just stuff like that. It's I massive. Think, I don't think people realise the importance of the kit man. Honestly, our massive. Our kit man at New Mains who is going to help out at, uh, up at Kirkluck as well. He also makes the dressing room. He's also the entertainment. He's also got that relationship with the players. And as you say, he gives it that that professional uh, outlook. And he actually likes washing the strips at night and having a having a few gin and tonics while he watches the washing machine. <laughs> That's his confession to me. So who, who have you brought in? Who's your kit man? What's he like with the players? Stevie actually, he's involved with amateur football. He runs Belgrove's Sunday amateur team. Stevie. Uh, and he's a nice guy, he'll do anything for you. So he's involved. his grandson plays with one of the young front art teams. And we had a meeting away last year at the start of the season we saying we need help. Um, we had a hundred of points, one need help with say there's fifteen points and Steve was like, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. <laughs> so Steve's been brilliant with us. So it just helps it. Uh something in the dressing room, it's a bit of banter with the boys and stuff like that. So it's good. I think that's a new section, Gareth, we'll start. Who's your kit man? Kit man of the, kit man of the week. Kit man of the week. Give it for now. Ryan, you, you, you also mentioned, uh, you know, you've been doing this management log for a couple of years now. How have you found the, how have you found stepping into the dugout? How have you found management? How have you found, I don't know, uh, what's the best way of putting it? You know, staying cool on a Saturday afternoon in the dugout when normally you'd be kicking every ball in the park. Uh, how has it all been? Oh, I don't stay cool. That's a, that's a problem with me. <laughs> <laughs> I kick everything that moves. He does. I'm, I'm a drink. Uh, but I think I kind of change it. I wouldn't take that out of me. If I go that out of me, I'm losing that wee bit of hunger problem for myself, to be honest. Uh, even before the games, I apologise to referees before the games. <laughs> I just warned them to say, I apologise, I don't mean anything, but sometimes I just need something out me. But I might blame you, but I'm trying to get to the boys, but I'm apologising now. <laughs> I mean, you're a different guy when you're on the, the touchline. Do you just uh, become the Tasmanian devil a bit? I've always been the same, even on the, on the park. Uh, when I played, so I was always the same. Great in face. Are you a teacup thrower? No, really, no, no. But I can, I can get annoyed. With, I can, I can get angry to be honest. Uh, but I think the boys have been great. It's, it's, I think twice I've went really angry with them, and we've won the two games. Uh, but it was just the standard. What you're trying to set a standard with them, and they set that standard. But it's just how quick they go down. One game you're great, and you're like, right, about size. Next minute, the following week, you're. You're not the same team. Just stuff like that. And that's all done to you. Their attitude. That is all it is. Stuff like that just happens with their attitude. Because they're good players. It's just their attitude changes if I will beat that team easy. That's That, that does my tits in, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was that something you were uh, aware of, Paul, when you moved uh, into the dugout? Did you have to cool yourself down a bit? No, I never cooled down, though, did I? I think my, I think my disciplinary record shows that. <laughs> Even my last game, I get a yellow card. Do you know, like, do you know what? It's a passion. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. And you, it's just a passion, isn't it? It's just, you know, 
Boys don't go out deliberately have a bad game. It's when, and I don't get angry at boys having a bad game. That, that's just what happens. Where you get annoyed is if you ask him to do something, if you set something up, a set piece. Do you know what I mean? And they're no there. And you've had the, you know, you've you've worked all week putting these up on the wall. The guys can see what they've got to do. You maybe worked on them and train, and then they don't do it. That's when you get angry. And that's no use a manager trying to dictate what they do. Players have to have freedom in the park as well. But it's, for me, there's key elements of the game that you do and set plays is one of them. And I think we touched on it a big Neil the other week when he was on. And that's when I get annoyed. And that's probably been when I've uh, been at my most angriest. Well, as you were saying that, Brian was nodding his head. So you, 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 uh, you understand that, Brian? Totally agree. Totally agree. You set up a corner for something and... Uh, if it's middle six or front six, then they're, they're all the place. It, it annoys me. It does annoy me too. I think for our listeners as well, Brian, we obviously touched on you're at a fire station or you're walking down a corridor. I'm getting a bit worried here. Either, you're, either your dinner's out, there's a shout, or uh, you're next to on the snooker table. No, no, I was, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I'll get it when I'm ready. I'll get it when I'm finished with you. Don't worry. <laughs> Just uh, going back to like how you've been in the dugout, what were you, what were you like in that game against Kilsyth? I mean, when it was going the way it was, when the score was the way it was, you're living on your nerves. Do you, do you get more nervous as a manager uh, or more uh, you know, on your nerves than you would when you're on, on the pitch? Because when you're on the pitch, you can you can influence it. I think I'm I think I'm more nervous as a manager to be honest when I was a player because I think as a player you can do something about it. A yeah. manager you're just telling the boys and hopefully to do it. Uh, but I, I was really confident in Saturday to be honest from start to finish. Uh, you can tell at training. I think in training leading up to it, I can tell with my boys if they're going to be on it or not. Uh, you can tell the last I, I would say the last seven eight weeks. I don't know how we finish the season to be honest. I just know we've finished really strong in the last seven, eight weeks. The standard of set of set training, and it just led into the weekends. Well, just getting results. You know, the weather the last three, four weeks, it's been horrendous. The way to Campbelltown, and we got up there and the goals had blew in. <laughs> Is that right? I had to get the goals, and the wind was, it was, oh, it was wild. And it was just about going up there. It wasn't about playing nice football. It was just about going up there and getting a result. Uh, then I think it was three weeks in a row it was the exact same just windy weather gale force and it was just about getting results and to be honest I think at all day games we just had to get results it was I wouldn't say comfortable but we seen the, we seen the game well seen the game out well if we went two and up against Campbelltown we seen the game in the second half and just stuff like that the boys sort of bought, bought into what I was telling them today uh, it was great and just for, for our listeners the a uh and maybe not too familiar with geography in Scotland. Campbelltown's obviously not just round the corner for, for Springburn Park. How is the boys' mentality about having to travel away up there? Was there a couple of call-offs that week, or, or was everybody up for just a, a good day out in Campbelltown? No, I think we ended up going up there three times. Remember, we went up uh, before Christmas, and we went up there, got to the changing room, and the referees broke down. So... So we actually had to go up an extra time. So, oh, but that day, that day, so we went up there. I think we arrived at the park at 10 past 12. We were in there pub for half 12. And we got on our bus at half five. Then it, I don't know what time it came back in nine. I fell off the bus and everything. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ryan, that, that, that must be the best result you've ever had in Campbelltown in your history. Uh, off. <laughs> I was like, the boys, you want to go back in the bus? They're like, no, we got to the pub. And I was like, okay, <laughs> man. <laughs> that, must, that must be a killer, though, to begin with, like when uh, when you put all that effort in and you get up there and the referee calls off. Oh, it was a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Just the money you put in it, to be honest. It's yeah. no... It's the, you're talking six hundred pound for a bus every time you get up there, so it's it's a couple of us. It's it's that's that's a lot of money. Six hundred pounds, a lot of money. Uh, Did the league compensate you for that, or was there any compensation back? I think uh, they gave us half of it. Right, but you're uh, still pocket three hundred quid, didn't you? And uh, what have you spent that day in the pub? Because that when they've oh, been fine. Aye. <laughs> I think it was my own final final spin in the pub. <laughs> the Campbelltown boys are great, to be honest. Is that right? Aye, uh, they're great. Uh, they look after you, to be honest. Putting a nice, nice uh, scran that for you. Uh, they're, they're good boys. Uh, well, I've knew them because they were in the league at amateur football. Right. So we know the travel and that going up there and stuff. So I, uh, they look after you, and they they'll start doing well by the way. Because I can see them getting uh, sponsorship and, that, and money behind them. And I think they'll start going a wee bit further and get more players in. Because uh, obviously, you know, in a lot of levels you go up, money can talk to some boys. So I think Campbelltown and it's when they start going up, I think they, they can start doing well. Does your, old man, does your old man come on trips like that now or does he just stick to the home games? No, he makes sure he's at a trip. He's first there. <laughs> he was first in the pub. Uh, it's me having to take him home at night. <laughs> he, he's, he's, still invo- he's still involved, is he? I mean, is he? Uh, what, what level? What level? Well, he he's he's a chairman of the club, but what he does is he goes down to the mini kickers. So he's the one that starts every single team that happens to Fanat. He's the one that starts it. So three-year-olds, he's the one that trains all the three-year-olds. Four-year-olds, any passes I want to coaches. I think we're just starting a 2017 team or 2016 team, I think. And I think he's got coaches in to start them next. And that's what he does. Plus, he does a Friday night, a free community class. So anybody that wants to get a bit of training, we hire a park out at Glasgow Arena, a seven-a-side part, a five-a-side part, and he trains on himself. Could be 20, could be 40 wins, all free. So he still does that and loves it. That's where he gets his buzz for. But it's funny, he loves it because he's Faye Briston. He stayed there all his days. And you get kids coming to the door, chatting the door, uh, asking for balls. And my dad, my dad just gave him all the balls in the street. Oh, you go, go and play, boys. Uh, so everybody knows him. Well good. known. It's good to know that still happens. I mean, people talk about street football not being about anymore, but even just hearing a story like that, you know, just shows that there's a desire out there to, to play like that, isn't I- it? I think he encourages uh, smash people's windies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when when you uh, when you kind of became more involved at the club and effectively like took over the running from him, I guess was there a bit of pride for you? Uh, also, like the kind of fact that you were then having to take this responsibility on something that he has done and, and done successfully for the best part of forty odd years and. And uh, because I guess would, would would you have been you would have grown up with the club presumably going to games when he was involved when you were a lot younger? 
Yeah, I've grew up with it. I've grew up with a club. Oh, well, it's 78 started. I'm 83. So my brother's 78. He was born in 78. That's when they started the club. So me and my brother are brought up with it. The twos have played with the club. The twos have won, I think, I have won five Scottish Cups or something for that. Uh, my brother's won maybe six. So, and I've got family, it's all one cups, uh, and it's best pals, all grew up with each other, I've all won, it's a, it's a family club, I try and make it as family club as possible, uh, but uh, it was an honour, it was an honour at the weekend, because uh, I actually stayed with my dad on Saturday night after the community centre, because I don't stay there anymore, and I stayed with my dad, and we went in the house, we had a wee, a wee, a wee celebration whiskey uh, before I went to sleep for work. Superb. A bit, a bit, uh, was it a bit emotional kind of thing thinking back over the years where you've come from and, and where you've where you are now? Yeah, definitely, definitely it was. It was uh, it was an honour to be honest. Uh, what my dad's done in the amateur game and what he's done as a community is unbelievable. To be honest, I think he deserves an award. I know a lot of people do these community awards and and earning their careers. There's no one better that deserves it. Than my old man, to be honest. Uh, and he loves it. He loves it. He's involved. He's out of the house every day of the week because if there's a FNAP team training down the green, he's there watching or doing something. Whatever, whatever team's doing during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he's there. Even we've started a 35s this year uh, and he's what to turn up and watch that and stuff. So. And in terms of, we, we, we've talked about how obviously he's there and doing so much and still so much of a central figure at the club. You're there. You're up there at ten o'clock on a on a Saturday morning putting the banners up. What about your uh, your backup backroom staff? Like, is, is I mean, is Phil McCabe still helping you with the the training? Yeah, Phil McCabe. Phil McCabe. Yeah. Phil McCabe. Phil McCabe's played with my club for years. He's been a good friend of mine. He's, he's been a cracking player. And uh, it's, my, it's my other friend uh, Matthew Campbell at the start of the season. But he he runs uh, another from that team, 2011s. It was just too much for him. My goal, my goalkeeper actually runs up an art 2018. <laughs> Which is, I don't know if it, but it's mental. It shows you how close a lot of the, the club is. And that's how it meant a lot to a lot of people on Saturday. Uh, not just myself, but talk about my goalkeeper uh, who runs another club. And his, he's been bringing his team to Campbelltown. There was eight of his boys at Campbelltown in 2018 for that, supporting the club, which is great. Uh, which is what I want. I want. I would love to get more of the kids up with me playing on Saturday. To be honest, uh, that's my next goal for next year to push as much kids through the academy to come up to watch free uh, with our parents as possible. Just so they've got something to look up to. Because I've got that opportunity now. If you want a classic senior football, I've got that for many kickers all the way to senior football now. I've got that opportunity now, and that's my goal for these boys. And obviously, always play for Fanart and see where see where their football career goes to. When you hear that buy-in, you know, of so many people involved in different teams and they've obviously bought into, not even the, the, the Fnatic dream of going forward now, it's because as an established club, it's been there since, did you say, 1978, did you say? Uh, 1978, so, so to have that, that buy-in must be absolutely superb. And do you know what? There must be a lot of clubs above you and in terms of the West of Scotland League or in the pyramid system in Scotland that would die for that that system, Brian? Aye, aye, definitely. Uh, I think that's one of the main reasons you have to have to 
to get into this league, even Division 4, because Kostai's got other teams, Hamaro's got other teams, we've got other teams. Hat Hall's an established team. Uh, obviously, they were Ken Priest of Scotland. They've got Campbelltown, who's got other youth teams. I think you have to have a quality mark in that to get into it. I think that's part of the tick list. So, I know a lot of people are maybe being negative for before, but I think if more people went down and watched it, they would understand there's good quality there and it's good clubs. And no, no disrespect to other teams that have been going for hundreds of years, but these clubs that are coming through are, are ambitious. They're ambitious and they want to keep growing. So we'll see what happens, but hopefully hopefully we can get all got into a new tier or whatever the way to do it next year. And you've got, is it just the one game you've got left against uh, Hartwell Royal on March the 12th? Or have you got anything on this? Yes, March the 12th. Uh, yes, uh, at Springburn Park. You've got a, you've got two and a half weeks of celebrating then, basically? Yeah, well, I've, I've gave the boys this week off, to be honest, because uh, I was still rough on Monday. I've been on the phone all week. We're getting a game for Saturday, a game for Saturday. I'm like, just chill. So I think we've got a, we've got a game booked next next week, Paul. We do, yes. My first game in the dugout uh, for Clark Rovers. That's so going to be your first game. That'll be my first game, so go easy, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, j- j- just wait till you uh, till he gets to the questions asking you about your squad, uh, Brian. You know, just just be careful then. Uh, how is it you play again, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> what time does that community centre shut, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> just just to finish this section of the show. I mean, we've talked about the club and the infrastructure and I guess the hopes, but you know, where 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 can Finnart go? Do you believe ultimately? Where would you like to go? Where? If I said to you in five years' time, where would you like to be? What are you aiming for? What are you putting these things in place for? What 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 would you say? To be honest, we uh, just keep going up the leagues, keep developing our team up the leagues, and develop our youths. Still develop, get twenties involved, get a good twenties involved where I can use them every week. Uh, I would love to get involved. That I can take two, three, four, whatever. You, and use some of my boys to play with in the Friday night. I think it's a great thing, the 20s developing league, to be honest. Uh, I think the development, because I think at that age, you lose so many players at that age, regarding got to drink and whatever they want to do. Right? If you keep them involved in the Friday night, they can still go and have a few beers and do whatever they want to do on a Friday night. You'll still keep them involved. They'll still buy into training twice a week and playing the Friday night, as long as you're getting a good weekend. And I think it's a great thing for development, even just in Scotland, to be honest. You'll get late developers coming through this 20s, I bet you. In the next five, six years, you'll get somebody playing the SPL which can through the 20s. Uh, and I'd love, love to say it was somebody for that, to be honest. Just on that as well, does that whole youth infrastructure, does that help fund the club effectively? You know, so I know you say you talk about sponsorships, but you're talking about paying £600 for a bus. How, how, how does the club kind of uh, keep itself no, kind of going that way? Well, the senior club itself funds itself, basically. We do uh, fundraising things, like even, even the last man standing. We do the 100 club. Uh, stuff like that. Because you know a season, you're talking about what we pay at Springburn Park. So we, we, we have a few quid a week just to play out there. Because we, we have to pay for two lets because we have to get the park for four hours. So we're just no paying a normal let fee. We're double that. So... 
Each week we could be out as our club alone could be four hundred pound a week just for your club. Now that's us no bringing anything in because we've no social club, we've no stuff like that. So you're talking about we have to try and self generate four hundred pound a week before we can do it. That's where we are at the moment. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So it's a lot of work, a lot of work behind the scenes what we do regarding trying to get us just for it because I wouldn't go, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into the pot or the the, the club to, to self extend the senior team. It wouldn't work that way. There's a lot to do starting from that bit from scratch as well, isn't it? You know, getting these funding streams in place in in what is your very early days in in the senior game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we have got people that will come in. See, if we had we're in for Sally. That's when we can self sustain yourself. You, you, the money you generate, then it just goes back. Uh, and that's what, we, that's what we need, to be honest. Uh, hopefully that happens, we get word in the next few months, hopefully, and then it's about developing uh, the ground. Uh, because we've got funding there to start start a lot of work to get done to it. So I've got a good sponsorship behind us that would come in and help. We've got a lot of workers, we've got a lot of companies out getting bored. So we'll just have to wait and see. That's a thing, but hopefully it, it, it harms. Hi, I'm Ross Wilson, manager of Mary Hill, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. And now it's time for Mark Mackay to tell us who was this week's Best of the West. Last week's Best of the West saw Glasgow Pirates go head-to-head with Fela leaving at Keppel Park in Conference E. It was a Paul Brennan strike that gave the home side a great start. Craig Smith soon added a second as the Shire raced into a two-goal lead. Fela pulled one back when Anthony Pilkington got on the end of a McGlinchey corner to make it 2-1. Perthshire then restored a two-goal advantage when Evergreen David Kirkwood scored from 12 yards. Just as half-time approached, it was Martin Conley that got on the end of a through ball by McGlinchey to make it 3-2 at half-time. Second half started the same as the first with that man Brennan on the score sheet to make it 4-2. It was soon five when Kirkwood got his second, this time again from 12 yards. Fail pulled one back when Calum Richardson made it 5-3. It was game on when Calum Smith got on the end of a McGlinchey corner to make it 5-4. It was McGlinchey's hat-trick of assists for the day. Kirkwood then got his own hat-trick when he made it 6-4 with only minutes remaining. Still time for Richardson to get a second of the day and make it 6-5 at full time. What a game for the neutral. Not so much for the defences. Hi, my name is Jamie Nesbitt, manager of Thornwood United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Well, you've, uh, you've wrapped up Division 4, Brian, but I guess the big question is, as we've kind of touched on, what happens next? Uh, I'm pleased to say we hopefully have the man who has all those answers uh, joining us now. It's the West of Scotland League fixture secretary, Kenny Young. Kenny, thanks as ever for joining us. No problem, Gareth. We've got, plenty, we've got plenty to ask you, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see if you're still glad to be back after all that. 
uh, and Brian, Brian, feel free to join in with any questions as well. Uh, I mean, first up, c can you confirm what happens to Finnaught now they are champions and the, and, and, and the first ever West of Scotland League trophy winners, as you were saying before we came on air? Yeah, well, at the moment, uh, we're, we're going to have to look at uh, how things pan out with the teams in Division 4. Ground criteria must be met, which is the main problem. Uh, where Finat are playing at the moment is not suitable. Uh, so it's up to them to secure a ground that meets the, the criteria. Uh, Division 3 will be increased by the teams in Division 4 that meet the ground criteria. But what happens to Division 4, we're not really sure of at the moment. Because if we don't have enough teams coming in to make Division 4 viable, then we'll have to look at including these teams into Division 3 one way or another. But the ground, they will still not be allowed full membership, as far as I'm aware. They will still have their associate membership, which means that they can't be promoted until they get a ground that meets the criteria, if you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So, can yeah, I just that? So, Division 3 next year, these teams will still all get in, even if they don't meet the criteria, potentially, but they can't get promoted out of Division 3. Is that correct? That, that's one of the things that we're looking at. That's, that's a possibility that, that we're looking at. We don't want to shut these teams out uh, unnecessarily, and we don't want to just say, we can't, we can't have you at all. Uh, you just need to get back where you came from. So these guys have made the step up and we hope to include them. So we'll have to look at ways that we can include them. If we've got enough teams to run a Division 4, then probably, we did say it would probably run for two years if we could, but and that would give the clubs time to get their ground in order. But again, what I'm saying is if it drops down to six, or five teams or something like that. I think eight teams just, just made it workable. If it drops any lower than that, I don't think it will be workable. So we would need to consider how we're going to integrate these teams into the the, the West of Scotland Football League. And it could be that we would have to look at rejigging the Division 3. But that would, that would be for one season because then we would look to form Division 3 properly with 16 teams and then with the rest of the teams that would form a proper Division 4 because so, when we get to Division 3 next year we could have anything from 17 teams up to 24 maybe even more so obviously my time at New Mains we, I, I was at meetings and, and we spoke about this, and this is nothing against Fanat or Brian or other teams. Obviously, it was always going to be these teams, if they met the criteria, would get in. If not, quite categoric, they won't be, they won't get in. Uh, but then that was going to be down to the membership vote. Is that still the case, or is that where the league will decide these teams are coming in 
or will member clubs get a vote on whether they come in or not? Um, I, th- I think it still has to go to the membership. I think we'll go to agree that the any new clubs do get uh, allowed entry. But I don't. I wouldn't see that as a problem. I don't think we're in a position to deny anyone the, the their ambitions, if you like. No, and I, I get that, Ken. It's not so much denying people their ambitions, but obviously at meetings previously, we were told these clubs are coming in. Uh, Fanart's probably a great example. They're a quality mark club. No just saying that because Brian's there. They've went, they've won the league. They deserve that right to be to to move up. That's that that's no the issue. That's no the issue that that I foresee. I foresee the issue was at the meetings it was put that if these clubs don't meet the criteria, then they wouldn't get in. And I'm just now wondering whether it's a case of well, they, they've got the ambition to go so far, they've not quite met it, but we'll put them into Division Three anyway. Division Three. To me, then that's like a relegation for Division Three to Division Four. In many, you know, do you know what I mean? It's unfair. Then we don't know how many teams are got to be in Division Three. Now I'm saying that because I'm going to be in Division Three. Is that then going to be a league of Division Three split into two and A and a B? Because to have all these teams would be quite difficult, wouldn't it? That that's a probability. Even if we don't allow all the teams in. Because as I'm saying at the moment, we could be sitting uh, with 24, maybe 25, 26. It could go up. I'm not really sure. But again, that this was explained to all the associate member clubs when they did join. You know, and we 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 spoke to Finnart, Hart Hill, Campbellton. We explained everything to them, and they were fully uh, uh, accepting of what was put in front of them. So we couldn't guarantee that, you know, it would be just plain sailing, you know. So it's up to the clubs themselves to put themselves in the, the position where we can't refuse them. And hopefully it doesn't come to that. Let's, uh, let's bring Brian in on that. I mean, Brian, what, what, what do you make of uh, what you've heard uh, so far on that? No, I know Springburn Park right at the moment. There's not, in my eyes, what I think, I don't think there's much to get done at Springburn Park. I think it's got a supporters barrier. What I know it needs is uh, better dugouts, dugouts, uh, which I'm in the process of gaining. But before I'm paying up, is it £3,000, I think, £1,500 per dugout. The portable ones, you can just wheel in and out. Uh, the good ones, not the blow-away ones anymore. Uh, to go up I want to try and get the best as possible. Obviously, we've got this, we've got the netting round the new. But we want to fix that even better. We've got sponsorship that covers right round one side of the park now. If we get enough sponsorship, if we if we go up the league, we would cover right round the full park before the game. It means we would get enough sponsorship to cover right round the park. We would get the fencing what they were speaking about from the changing room for the officials and players to walk with, so it doesn't involve the supporters. We've already got that organised. So we've got there's a lot of things organised in our part behind the scenes regarding it's ready to happen, but we just have to make sure first and foremost before we put out that money, where I actually what need we need someone actually to come and meet us and say it needs A B C D do that then it's it's okay. Yeah, well obviously uh, 
Colin Boyd has been around uh, originally to speak to the clubs regarding their grounds, and uh, I'm quite sure it's just a matter of giving Colin a, a a wee call, and he'll come out and meet you up, meet up with you again, and run through whatever it is that you actually need to do. Uh, so, aye, um, I, I'm happy to do that anytime because uh, the quicker we find out it's a goer, it means we can. I can start walking behind the scenes because it's right at the moment we've got we will we will we will secure better dugouts and we'll secure the fencing which needed and the netting it was, it was me and three others have been doing and put that full netting out last year that that was the most annoying part this year where we spent two shifts putting that netting round last year and we went to other parts in division four out of no netting and I thought that was part of the tick list at the start of last year. Uh, to get into the league and we, we spent it cost us a, a, a bit of money to get it done and when we went to our parts that wasn't done I didn't really say much about it but obviously it, it's up there now but we want to fix it a wee bit better than what it is uh, but it's still all the way around and we know we had to get better dugouts to be honest the ones we did su- did supply they weren't good enough to be honest is, is, is netting part of the thing Kenny or is that something that yeah it's it's the ground criteria for new membership, really. Um, the, the, it must be screened off so that you can't view the game from outside, uh, so that everybody that's coming to the game pays to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that there's some parts that we've got already where you know that that's that's accessible for for some fans, but this is something that we are working on. And we're hoping that all the clubs and all the 74 clubs that we've got, we hope that they all work towards improving their ground and, you know, uh, making it uh, the same for everyone. Uh, so so we, we are hoping that the likes of clubs that where you can just turn up uh, and we've got to try and put a stop to that. As part of the criteria, you know, the higher up you go. So we've got to try and get the clubs into thinking along these lines anyway. And it's to their benefit as well. Just, I totally agree with Kenny saying there uh, regarding starting, because we knew, but I, I just knew, because I asked, obviously I knew that a part of the criteria wasn't a ground share with anyone with grass parks. I don't know if that's still an option, is it? Kenny, would you be able to put me right on that? <laughs> don't get me don't get me started ground sharing and grass parts. Look at the fixture <laughs> list to do. Uh, and it's an absolute nightmare. We this is Scotland we're in. Anybody playing in grass expecting Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday on grass, it just doesn't happen. It's it's not it's I mean, it's one thing ground sharing when you've got uh, all weather surfaces. That can cope with it, but Every park, every grass park, if you play that amount of games on it, especially in this time of the year, you've got to end up with a mud bath. It's a played field that's only fit for tatties. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but that, that's me with my fixture secretary's head on because it's a nightmare for me, I can assure you. I get that as well. It's the hardest job in the world, Kenny. I'll give you your due for that and you do a great job at it. The, I mean... The backlog that I'm faced with at the moment, especially with the 
Premier Division teams is getting horrendous, I can assure you that. I've, at the moment, the biggest problem I've got is Darvel because they are still in the, the hunt, if you like, for the Premier League Championship, which gets them into the playoff. I've got a deadline to get that champion found. So at the moment, they are going to be playing every Saturday and every Wednesday from now to the 30th of April. And they've got two cup. They're, they're in two cups yet. And if they win there, that's even more. They're going to be playing Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, come April and May. But uh, it's, it's just what it is. It's what they signed up for. Uh, Lachlan are a close second as far as that's concerned. Uh, and they're in two cups as well. So, you know, it's going to be very difficult for all these teams, especially when they're, they're the teams that are looking at uh, toppling Pollock at the moment. And it's still wide open. And they're, they're not, I mean, there, there are other clubs there that, that we can't discount at the moment. We've still got Clyde Bank and Cowinnan. Irvin Meadow, Bees, they're, they're all still in there. If they're, no, if they're no actually in the hunt, they're going to have a big say in who is. So they've got to be playing games on a Wednesday to keep these other teams playing. So it's very, very difficult. So grass parks, great when they're one team on it, no one not to do. I think that's a no, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> See all the teams that are finishing the season pretty early, especially in the com season, Division Four. Is there any chance of a cup? Uh no, no this, no, uh, no this year. Uh, I think we've got plenty because, I mean, I, I know, I know it's it's a bit un- inconvenient for Division Four teams, but I'm still getting postponements in conferences, so they they, they maybe think they're finishing in 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 uh, March, but. I'm already knocking Fisher further into March and April because of the postponements we've got. So it would be possible to tell how many teams would be available to play in any cup that you try to put up. Nothing stopping the teams organising friendly tournaments and putting up cups ourselves if they want. But at the moment, that's a no. Brian, yes. Brian said, is I in the league for one? Season he's got his eye in a double already, and he? he was uh, <laughs> throwing out cup competition. But Kenny, a couple of things I want to ask you. Uh, first of all, Division Four, is there much appetite for new teams to come in this year? Have you had many applications? And the second question I'd like to ask you is when, and I know you've not got this season out the road first, and I know you've, when would the proposal be to go back next year? I'm just thinking. We moved the season forward early this year because of the COVID. Would we still be looking to play early or would we go back to more? Uh, well, no, we've, we've already decided when we're starting. Oh, right. uh, I think it's a, the last Saturday in July the I season see. will officially start. All right, last Saturday. The, the season only started early because the amount of fixtures we had and we had to get a bit of a kick start, if you like. I better tell the wife now not to book the holiday. Just not normal circumstances. <laughs> when we get these uh, divisions into a, a linear setup with 16 teams in each division, 
there, there's not going to be a, a desperate need for so many Wednesdays anyway. Mm. That's going to make things a, a hell of a lot easier for everybody. Uh, I, 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 my history is with a small club, as you know, and I know exactly what it takes to get a, a Wednesday game, uh, get it played, and everything you have to do to to get it played. You have to jump through so many hoops to get things done, and especially if you're in a wee club with a wee committee, it's very, very hard. So, personally, I don't like Wednesdays. It's no good for the, the, the treasurer either. You don't make so much money as you do a Saturday game. There's nobody buying your pies or going for a going for a beer because they're working the next day. So it, it doesn't it doesn't help. So I know exactly where, where we are with Wednesdays. So I try to avoid them where possible. Uh, and like I say, next season should be a lot easier, and we should be getting a. I fix your list out with all the Saturdays used up, maybe an occasional Wednesday uh, coming in for postponements or whatever. And as for the Division 4 appetite for teams coming in, have we had many applications in to...? We've, we've had uh, a couple. Uh, I'm no... I can't, I can't mention names at the moment, but uh, they're tentative inquiries, so we'll have a look at them, we'll discuss it, and we'll see where we go with it. So, you know, that will be part of the discussions about what we do with the, the rest of the teams that don't manage to get their ground criteria in order early enough, and we'll see where we go with that. Just uh, before we let you go, do you have deadlines for these things? Do you have deadlines for when you're going to decide on what happens with Division 4? And do you have deadlines for when applications are to be received for clubs interested in joining? I think there are a deadline for the applications, obviously, because that gives we need a deadline so that we can get out and yeah. visit, visit the teams, visit their ground, see what they're all about. I mean, last year we had a team came in and then withdrew about a couple of weeks beforehand, which didn't help matters, you know. We were all set up to go and then to let us know there are no which I think was actually a good thing we had Division 4. Uh, it didn't cause so much disruption, uh, and that settled in from a nine-team uh, league into an eight-team league, and they, they all get playing each other four times. So it kind of worked out as far as, well, I think it worked out quite well, and it, it gave them gave them an insight into how we operate things and what we actually expect them to do and what how we expect them to behave. So I think it was a good thing, uh, but we need to look at how we progress it. And that, that could take some time. We need to wait and see just what teams are going to meet the mark and see what teams are coming in. And we'll take it from there. Do you think there's an argument, Kenny, to say that there needs to be a wee bit more of a joined-up thinking? I'm thinking of Sean Kenny and Ardeer. What a job he's done down there. You know, Ardeer struggling. West Coast is one that they were talking about bringing in. It never quite worked out. He goes into uh, Ardeer, goes into a club who arguably were bottom three of Scottish junior football, gets off to a flying start. It's done an amazing job. Even everything that comes out of Ardeer and the work the guy's done is absolutely fantastic. Is there, and we've seen Anne Bank, Anne Bank struggled, Anne Bank had to pull out the league, 
Uh, I don't know if they're going to rejoin or whatever. But is there an argument to say, why don't these teams have a wee bit more of a joined-up approach and go and help out maybe clubs that are struggling? Well, to be fair, West Kilbride uh, wanted to come in on their own, but they couldn't find anywhere suitable or or even remotely suitable. And, you know, they, they tried various venues, but they just weren't uh, up to scratch at all, even for Division 4. And we had to knock them back, which, you know, was maybe unfortunate for Kilbride, but it was uh, a great stroke of luck for our dear when you see what how it's, it's worked out for them. And fair play to them, they, they, took that, they took that opportunity and they've done well at it. I wish them all the best. Uh, so I, it's, uh, it's, it's done its job. I think Division Four. It's, it's gave us somewhere to put these teams to, to let them come in. I think my view on it, Kenny, was, and I've said it here in a few times. I've said that at league meetings as well, uh, previously. That, and I, and and I'll use names. I'll use Blantyre Soccer Academy. We were talking about coming in at one time, and I just felt that. Why does Blantyre need two teams in Lanarkshire and one town fighting for players when, you know, you go to the very top of the tree, Motherwell and Hamilton don't fill their grounds every day. Do they, is there an appetite? Is there that many players in our country to be producing all these teams for semi-professional football where they could be that little bit more joined up approach? And we say, why doesn't Blantyre Soccer Academy go and speak to Blantyre? Kilsyth was actually the one I brought up at the... You know, did Kilsyth as a town need two teams semi-professional fighting for players? I just don't know. And then we've got clubs like, and again, not because Brian's sitting here for that, we've got that, you know, full, I don't know if you're a legacy club yet, but you full quality mark who are producing players, have got that, that pathway to get in. Yet smaller towns round about maybe just don't need to be competing with, with, with players. Why don't we... They encourage them more to get this joined-up approach. Well, it's, I mean, that, that's a difficult one, Paul, to be honest with you. I mean, you look at Dundee, you've got two clubs in the one street. Mm-hmm. Never mind the one tune. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're looking at a pyramid here, and we're trying to get the pyramid from further up than us to open up. So we can't uh, really ask them to open up when we're denying other clubs with ambitions the, the ability to move up on their own. And fair play, if, if somebody wants to, to contact uh, an established team that's already in the league and see if they can join up with them, then I'm quite sure that would be looked at favourably. But I don't think we're in a position to tell somebody, oh, you've got everything there, you tick all the boxes, but you're not coming in because we're protecting what we've already got. I don't think it's fair. I just think in a, in a, in a, in a country where the population is so low, Scotland, we don't have an abundance. Every team, Brian, you're involved in management. Many teams that you come across that have said, we're struggling for a team this week. The boys are away doing this. The boys are away. You go, I've been to the grounds this year. They've got two subs where we're allowed 17 I just don't think we have the population, maybe even the appetite sometimes for all, all these teams. Yeah, you're, you're totally right in what you're saying, Kenny, it's a pyramid system and, and it can be opened up. But we can only open 
We can only open it so much because we just don't have the numbers of people playing the game. That's but, that's but my concern. And I'd rather see, I'd rather see quality than quantity in terms of the pyramid system. I'd rather see established teams like Fnatic coming in that that've got the quality rather than just having teams because other teams round about in the same towns will fold. Where do, where do you draw the line? You know, what do you say to, to teams that do want to come in? You, no, you can't because we're looking after the teams that have already got because we think if you come in, other teams will fold. You know, who knows? Some of these, team, some of these teams that are, you know, they're, they're struggling as it is and I understand that. I can see where they're struggling. I've been there and I've been involved with a team that's, that struggles year in, year out, but we don't have the right, I well, I don't think we'll have the right to, to stop anybody coming in. It's just a survival uh, and it can be difficult. And I understand that the players, well, they'll want to go somewhere, you know, and you've got to be able to sell your club and get those players in. I think there's also a right, though, Kenny, to protect your member clubs who pay your, the, the membership fee as well, rather than trying to not put them out of the game. But, you know, they, they've they paid their fees for years and years and to, to associations to protect them a little bit. And instead of diluting, that's the word I use, diluting the product, making yeah, the pyramid yeah. a quality, making the, the, the pyramid a quality product, rather than saying, right, aye, you can get dugouts, you can get some netting round, aye, and you come, and then you've got teams all round about them. Not so much Glasgow and Finart and where populations, I'm talking about smaller towns, and Blantyre sprung to mind to me, Kilsyth kind of sprung to mind to me as well. I just think, are you doing the clubs in the area a disservice? Yeah, but how can we, uh, how can we fix that? You know, it's, it, I don't think it's in our remit to fix that. It's just, uh, you know, I keep saying it, that we don't have the right to deny anybody their ambitions. Aye, and, and, and probably my point is also looking at protecting the, the, the teams. Yeah, right yeah. About, you I, know. I, can, I can get that. I know, and I know that, that... For me to put you on the spot, that's more for something at a meeting and actually member clubs to vote on. Yep, well, <laughs> if you want me to put my fixture seed back on, I, I'd, I'd rather know him. I'd rather cut the, the, the league in half. <laughs> no, no ad me, I reckon. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, Brian? Uh, there's two good points there. Uh, I know Kenny's saying, I probably may have Kenny, to be honest. What he said is, it's up to teams to get players in and and sell them to the club. Uh, I think that's the main thing. I think I've been lucky because I've, I've coached for a few years regarding going through the youths with the boys, and I've got a good nucleus of boys there. Uh, I've got good contacts in the game. It might it will help me out if I'm struggling regarding. I've signed players just for cover this year. So if I've got four or five boys, especially to start the COVID, I had enough personnel. There, there were. They were football players in their time, but they come in and help me and sit on the bench and stuff like that. So I can see both, but I think it's up to teams to have a plan regarding trying to get boys in. It's up to you to sell the club to, to, 
each individual might take, try and get, or you're, if you're trying to get players for other clubs, for us, it's hard. Because I'm now I'm, I'm at a stage where I'm having to try and get players in who think we pay money. So people are coming to me and say, I'll come, I'll definitely, I'll come, you come to training. And I'm like, eh, well, can I speak about wages? I'm like, no, you don't get money with us. So the trouble is, now what I'm finding is try to maintain, try to sell the club to the boys, but we're not paying them any money. We just want to sell them, but we're trying to build, we're trying to build a structure where we can go for the next hundred years when I'm not even here. Uh, and to sustain that right now, no one will be getting any money off us. So we're trying to sustain a bunch of boys who do, or just love playing with an art and love working with each other and build a family and friends and keep that attitude and that way about the club. Because that's where we'll develop at the moment. That's where we'll got, uh, hopefully, the pyramid regarding building that way. Then maybe long long term plan is obviously sustain what we spoke about. Obviously, we're in the process of speaking to Glasgow Life and Glasgow Council regarding trying to take our facility so we can sustain our future. Basically, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to sustain our future. So, Brian, if I, if I was to put to you, though, that uh, I'm going to set up a team in Glasgow Green, I'm going to apply to get in the league right next to you, and I start paying my players a tenner a week, right? I've got the same facility. I've got the same tracksuits. I go and buy Adidas tracksuits. You're only wearing Pro Star. <laughs> I, I, I go and create this new club, right? Doesn't cost me a lot of money, three, four grand. And I can deck the team out, apply to come into the league and say to you boys, well, listen, come here, get an Adidas tracky. Your kit man's better than your kit man. Uh, and Stevie, Stevie, Stevie won't be happy with that, Stevie, by the way. Stevie, well, I'll, I'll be honest, Carl, because I'm taking Stevie with me, right? To the new club. <laughs> right? Stevie's now with me, right? I've got, I've took. Four of your boys, and I've took four of the boys from there, and the league's going to let me in because I've got better dogs than you, Brian. Right? They're going right. to let me in. Is there, is there an and, and we're playing in the same place? We're playing in the same. I don't. That's, I think there's an element no, as you as that's, that's always the situation, Paul. You're when you look at teams that are in Division Three. That's no situation. Look at the juniors. The juniors never. Let people in at the ball. By the way, I want to clear this up as well. I'm not wanting to deny anybody access. I've come for amateur football. I get a chance in the junior, junior, then into the senior. I do not want to deny anybody. I'm my biggest fear, and I could write a white paper on it, Kenny. My biggest fear is we live in a, a country with a population of X amount. Teams are struggling week in week out to get to fill bodies. Do we need other teams? coming in, that's not, it's just diluting the product. We want to have the best players coming up through the pyramid system. You touched on it, Brian. You know, you can see maybe a player from tw- the under-20s on a Friday night, somebody yeah. actually getting to the SPFL. If we water that down, are they going to have that pathway to get there? I completely understand what you're talking about, Paul. I completely understand. Uh, but you don't want to deny any club's ambition. But Kenny's trying to say to you. so it's a it's a hard one, it's a hard one. You're probably right. Uh, if other clubs are about us, then we would probably take them under your banner and say, "No, you're coming and play for Fanart. You're under Fanart's banner." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing, it, joined up the, approach. But, yeah. and I, I think that's my point. 
Can we have, it's not about denying ambition, denying people, can we get, and I think Sean Kenny is the prime example of how it will work. These teams are already there, Paul. They're getting their players from somewhere. And, and what you've got is that you've got a system where if you bring in a talented player out the amateurs and take him on, and he, he develops into a better player for Division 3, then you've got teams in Division 2 and Division 1 looking for him. That has always been the case. A lot of the clubs that are further doing the pyramid are developing clubs. And they're developing players for for higher up. And that's always been the case. And if somebody comes to, to your club and looks at a player and says, he's a good player, I want him. And they go and offer him money to go and sign. Then that, the boy's got to look at that and he's got to say, I fancy that. That's always been the case. And if that boy moves on, that's a good thing. Your club's done well. Your club's done that boy a favour. You've now then got to replace him. And you, you look at, at uh, the amateurs, for instance, or you look at a, a, a club running about you and see if you can attract a player, but you've got to sell your club to that player to bring him in. You can't just go and say, oh, we're the only club in the tune, so you've got to play for us. I know, and, 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 I, and I get that argument, I get that point. Keep going down the pyramid. Look at the report that come out from the SFA regarding the number of amateur teams that fold. Do you know what I mean? That I think that, and that's where my base of this argument or debate starts is, I think it was something crazy, like a couple of years ago, there was a report out that the over-35s league was probably the only progression in Scottish football how there was more teams competing and I think at the time Scotland lost 7,000 amateur teams do you know what I mean throughout the whole country I can't even remember what the figures were and then and I think that's where my effects while it's getting getting affected if we just stopped increasing the teams then there might be a genuine pathway right the way through and to make the pyramid, the actual pyramid, stronger and not diluted. That's all my, my, my point being. Brian, you got to come in there? No, Paul, I can play Kenny was saying to you, I forgot, I forgot to put horror earlier on, Kenny was saying something I forgot, but, but Paul was saying there, I can have Ken for Amateur, I know ends and outs of how it works. I completely understand that about teams folding and stuff like that. The reason, the mentality, I think it's more the mentality is changing with young boys. They get to a certain age and they lose interest in football far too easy. Regarding the 35s, where we have just started this year, I found out 35s, where that's the most, every year there's 10, 12, 15 new teams going to 35s because the mentality of the age groups, the 35-year-olds and upwards, is different from your 15-year-olds to your 21-year-olds now. I think that's uh, mentality change in, in life in general. And I think that's how we're losing so many teams because boys just can't be bothered. And what's got a lot to do with it? Because remember years ago, there was no shift patterns. You worked Monday to Friday and played football at the weekend. But now a lot of people are working weekends. So if people's got people, uh, teams have got boys that are working every second week or every third Saturday, that has an impact on any team. So I think a lot of it is just the environment we're in now regarding works and the mentality of young young boys. I think that's a lot to do with it regarding teams folding and stuff is shift work uh, where I work. I really do. Brilliant. Well, that was a, that was a good debate. Uh, we'll, we'll watch with interest uh, um, the new teams that come in 
for next season during the, the summer, obviously. Uh, Kenny, as always, thanks for thanks for joining us and clearing up a few things. And we, uh, well, wish you good luck with packing all those fixtures in between now and the end of April. Uh, give you a few more grey hairs between now and then. But uh, no, I appreciate you coming on, Kenny, as always, and we'll uh, hopefully catch up with you with you again soon in a few weeks' time. Anytime, Gareth. Cheers. As always. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh, and Paul, congratulations on getting back into the game so quickly. Thanks very much, Kenny. Really appreciate that. Can you keep a good man down, as they say? You can. Yeah? You, you can. You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see you. Good to see you coming back into a club that's only got two games to play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a friend like his that get arranged tonight. <laughs> You've got a long close season to build for next year. That's aye, that's what I was wondering about when we're starting back. So, <laughs> nah, brilliant, appreciate that, Kenny. Thank you. Cheers, Kenny. Hi, I'm Gordon Moffat. I'm the manager of Clyde Bank, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll go back over this week's Down the Divisions decider. Paul, can we have those clues again? Right, they are Gibbs. Their Gibbs Hill Park ground was previously home of Polkemet Juniors FC and known as Beachbank Park. They were founded in 1992, played in the East Region of the Scottish Junior Football Association and they are situated in North Lanarkshire. Gareth knows it, so over to you, Brian. 1992? Aye. Incidentally, I don't know if I do know it. It's a bit of a red hair, I think, though. 1992. You've played them this year, mate. Right? It can only be Kilsyth, innit? Can he be Kilsyth? No. They're based in North Lancashire. Have another go. Who's North Lancashire in the league? Yeah, I'm clueless, by the way. <laughs> Good job is not a fire in North Lancashire the night, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Lucky break, innit? You'll know the driver, eh, Brian? No. Ah, oh, sorry then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm go- I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for Hart Hill. Hart Hill. Yes. Oh, see, I, I didn't have any. I thought it would have been a lot longer than that. Three. I think they were previously something else, and then they reformed. They, I think they gave up, and then they reformed as Hart Hill Royal Community. I'm Football. the name of the actually. <laughs> 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 I didn't think ha ha because I thought they were starting a lot longer than that. That's uh, I thought I'll go with one in Brian's league the night. Game of chance. Clueless man. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thanks for thanks for coming on the show this week. Enjoyed that. Uh, no well done again on uh, well done again on uh, wrapping up the the title as well. So we'll we'll look forward to seeing where you go over the summer now. Uh, and um, where you kind of appear in that new new setup post the summer, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to get you back next season, see how things are, are progressing. No, it's great. It's a privilege being on. To be honest, uh, it was good. Enjoyed it. Brilliant. Cheers, Brian. Thank you. Thanks again to our sponsors, Forty Four Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer, or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.
Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Thank you.